This is True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. I'm Laura Sweat. The 12 zodiac signs we use in our astrology and the basic system we use to understand them are at least 4,000 years old. These signs have been gathering meaning and associations progressively, a snowball rolling through thousands of years and dozens of cultures, Babylon and Egypt and Greece, the Islamic world and Rome and medieval Europe, and 20th century psychology and Carl Jung. And all I can do in each episode of this podcast is try to pick up on a tiny little piece of the immense meaning each sign is carrying and illuminate it just a little bit. And then I try to connect that really big theme to how unfathomably beautiful our own existence and consciousness is, how these huge celestial sacred meanings find their expression in our own human personalities. Because I believe our souls are much larger and more complex and beautiful than we tend to give them credit for. I really think there is no sign in the zodiac that overwhelms me with meaning quite as much as the sign of Cancer. Cancer is the sign that is ruled by the moon, and the moon is the part of the sky that as human beings we have been tracking for the longest time, that we have a gigantic amount of myth and story attached to. Concepts of the goddess, concepts of mothering in all of its forms, good and bad, uh, loving and terrifying, all, all of that. So choosing what to focus in on in this episode was really a challenge. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start off with the ancient Egyptian story of the birth of the world, which they tied to the sign of cancer. And we'll use that story to explore what being the mother of all zodiac signs really means. Then we'll talk about the last several years of cancer Capricorn eclipses, what we've been learning about nurturing and taking care of ourselves and where that's been leading us. And finally, as usual, we will talk about how this cancer caretaking energy emerges in our own lives and personalities, using our birth charts as a guide. Emotion, connection, and the power to create the world we want through patience and love, this week on True Self. a friend and I were talking about how the astrological year starts with Aries. She asked me if there had ever been any cultures that used the Western Zodiac that started with another sign, and I said no. Every culture has started their astrological year with Aries since Babylon. And like two days later, I found out that the Egyptians started their calendar year with Cancer. Why did the Egyptians start their year in the sign of Cancer? I imagine it has something to do with seasonality in Egypt. There are more like two seasons than four in Egypt, and June marks the beginning of flooding season there. It's also the beginning of cancer season. Given the fact that cancer is the cardinal water sign, the sign that most clearly represents the element of water in the zodiac, I also imagine it has something to do with the story of creation in Egyptian mythology. The following is an excerpt from The Egyptian Myths by Gary J. Shaw. The pre-creation universe is an infinite body of water, an expanse of darkness, inert and motionless, a place to bring a submarine rather than a spaceship. There is no separation of the elements, no earth and sky, nothing is named, and there is no death or life. It has existed in this form for all eternity, unending, still, silent. Though beyond true human comprehension, to conceptualize and discuss this infinite watery expanse, the Egyptians personified its intertwined aspects as indissoluble male and female couples, the males as frogs and the females as snakes. There was Nun and Nonet as the limitless waters, Huh and Hauhet as infinity, 
Kuk and Kauket as darkness, and Amun and Amunet as hiddenness. These forces are often collectively referred to as the eight primeval gods of Hermopolis, or the Ogduen, from the Greek for eight. The eight gods created the first mound of earth, or island, together, and then formed an egg from which the sun god hatched. Of the eight aspects of the pre-created universe, Nun, as the limitless waters, was of particular importance. Though Nun was inert and motionless, dark and infinite, he was also generative, a place of birth and possibility. This might seem counterintuitive. How can a place of darkness and disorder be a force for growth and life? The Egyptians saw in Nun potential for being and regeneration. Light comes from darkness. Land emerges from floodwater with renewed fertility. Flowers grow from dry, lifeless seeds. The potential for order existed within disorder. It is from within Nun that all things began. So around the solstice, which is when the sign of cancer starts, the fields in Egypt would flood and everything would return to this elemental chaos this fruitful chaos, this watery chaos. Then the year would unfold from there, with the floodwaters receding a few months later so the soil could be plowed and seeded, and everything getting harvested in the months preceding the next flood. The Egyptians didn't see life beginning when everything started growing and blossoming in the spring. They saw it beginning when everything got destroyed annually in the flood. That destruction was the beginning of the next round of fruitful creation. This story is really sticking with me at the moment. I'm thinking about whether the destruction of our current situation is fertile. Is it full of possibility? I kind of want to say I hope it is, but the truth is I know that this destruction is fertile because destruction is always fertile. Something new is always going to rise up from the ashes of what gets destroyed, especially in times when so much is getting destroyed because the destruction is making way for the new. I think where I'm nervous is just this awareness that that new thing that's going to arise from what is destroyed, it can be beautiful, or it can be not so beautiful, you know? We really, it all comes down to our choices. So cancer is about nurturing, and it's about mothering, and it's about how we care for things. And I am being pointed back to this idea that you can be a good mama or a bad mama to things. That's overly simplified, obviously. But how you nurture something dictates how it's going to develop, what it's going to become. And that is what we're playing with and what we're understanding when we're in the sign of cancer. It's the way that we care for things, the way that we nurture things. And we might do that very, very well. We might have a genius for it. I would say that is the genius of cancer when cancer is really elevated. Or we might have a genius for creating horrible things, (laughs) doing that by nurturing in a very sort of dark way, right? Creating what's going to come uh, through our neglect or our cruelty or any number of things. Uh, that are bad mama qualities as opposed to good mama qualities. And thinking about that, we can start to dig into the effect that having the North Node in Cancer has had on us in the last several years. So the Lunar Nodes have been in Capricorn and Cancer since 2018. And they have sort of lined up with Saturn being in Capricorn as well. So Saturn has been in Capricorn. Hang on, let me check. Since 2017. It's actually in Aquarius right now, but it's retrograding back into Capricorn, and then it will finally 
leave Capricorn at the end of this year uh, for good, which is also the time when our Cancer Capricorn eclipses are going to be ending. So there's been this real alignment between Saturn and Capricorn and the south node in Capricorn. I know that's a lot of astrology speak. So what it means basically is as Saturn has moved through Capricorn, the whole world has been having to face its limits. That's what Saturn represents is limits or restriction and rules, uh, having to face up to what we must take responsibility for, right? And the whole world has been going through that in regards to Capricorn themes of structure and discipline, all right? So keep that, that's one part of it. And then the south node mean, being in Capricorn at the same time, the south node is where we let go of what's not working anymore. So we've been tearing down just these old ways of thinking about discipline and structure in our lives um, and how to work with the material. That the, Having that happen at the same time that Saturn is in the sign is a big deal because it points both to our limits and to what we have to let go of. I've been characterizing this for the last couple years in my readings as we have to tear down the old foundation so that we can build something new, the combination of those two influences. On top of that, Pluto has been in Capricorn for a very long time. It's going to be in there from 2008 to 2024. And we had, at the beginning of this year, a Saturn-Pluto conjunction that really represented a death of something. Those two sort of big bad guys of astrology having a, a conjunction um, ushered in the the what is it the kind of final letting go of a thing that we needed to do so that timing also was aligned with when we started to see COVID-19 uh spreading throughout the world and and becoming an issue it was around January so all of that being said (laughs) The North Node has been in Cancer through this whole time. So Cancer and Capricorn are sister signs. They are opposites and complements. In Capricorn, we understand how to discipline something and create structure for it so that it can grow up strong. In Cancer, we understand how to nurture and love something so that it can have enough nutrients and nourishment to grow up strong. So... Cancer and Capricorn are sometimes, you can sometimes characterize them as a loving mother, disciplined father kind of dichotomy, but the axis of these two signs is really about taking care. How do you make sure something can grow up strong? You need the nurturing side of it and you need the discipline side of it. As we think about what we've been letting go of with the South Node and Capricorn, it's these ideas of how we're supposed to have structure, how we're supposed to have discipline, how we're supposed to work. And with the North Node and Cancer, we've been reaching towards taking care and nurturing, especially of ourselves as individuals. During this time, we've seen the concept of reparenting become really popular. We've seen people start to uh, really take self-care very, very seriously. And lots of psychologists are becoming popular on Instagram, you know? Like, people are focusing on how to give themselves the nutrients, the spiritual nutrients and nurturing that they need to grow up strong instead of just, like, beating the hell out of themselves in Capricorn. Now, as a reminder, that doesn't mean that Capricorn is bad. It's just that when the South Node is in a sign, we're letting go of what doesn't work for us in that energy anymore. So if you'll remember in the last episode, we were talking about the South Node and Sagittarius. We're going to be letting go of a lot of Sagittarian themes that don't work for us anymore. These sort of red-faced screaming at each other about the truth, the moral truth, right? But uh, back in 2011, nine years ago, 
that same Sagittarian energy was what we needed to stretch toward finding the truth, being uh, really passionate about preaching to people about what we know to be true, right? And so it's the same thing here. We have been in a period of time when we needed to let go of Capricorn themes that weren't working, but that doesn't mean that discipline and structure and the capacity to work with limited resources are not incredibly valuable things in and of themselves. Just that as a world soul, we have needed to let go of some ideas that we had and some habits that we had that weren't serving us anymore. I am just fascinated that this period of time has ended in a quarantine in which so many of us are struggling with wanting to be productive and keep doing things and the energy of the moment is just kind of pushing us back, pushing us down, almost just refusing to let us, right? That's I'm hearing that from everyone everywhere that and it makes total sense. We are stressed, we are in an emergency even though it's not how we anticipated probably being in an emergency. It's a very slow, quiet emergency, but we're stressed and we're anxious and we're not going to be productive. We are being forced to slow down in the most dramatic way possible. And I know for me, this period of time is leading to these lessons about what I have understood about taking care of myself and what I have not understood about taking care of myself. I'm learning a lot about why I make the choices I make about how I'm going to approach work and how I'm going to approach eating and exercise. And I'm learning to feel a lot less helpless or victimized by my own unconscious desire to sit on the couch and developing a very embodied understanding that these are my choices, that they're not just things that are happening to me, which uh, is something that I have been trying to achieve, that embodied understanding for a long time. I've intellectually understood it, but there's a big difference between just technically knowing something and then being able to really deeply connect to it. And I'm getting there in a sort of painful way right now. So when we take these big, big themes, these global themes of nurturing and caretaking, and we apply them to a person, they show up in a personality, they can show up in a couple of different variations, a few variations, I should say. So there's the crappy cancer. I'm not sure I would necessarily say this person is grumpy, but they are protecting their soft little insides. So cancer does have a tendency to focus on others and to want to care for others and to kind of be like, but stay away from my stuff though. And I think that shows up the most in this manifestation of cancer. It can be even like not a particularly emotional affect, but somebody when you get to know them is very focused on taking care of people and also would prefer if you stayed out of their business. That's one incarnation of cancer. Another incarnation of cancer is this very, very, very emotional person who feels easily betrayed. Um, betrayal is such a big deal with cancer. I think because they care so deeply and they're so focused on other people that it's it's hard for other people to give that back to them. I was thinking about this uh, over the summer. If cancer has a genius for loving people, which it does, that's a special thing about them. But the kind of difficult thing about it is it means that they are better at it than other people generally. And so other people are not necessarily going to be able to give the cancer back what the cancer can give them. And if a cancer is walking around in the world expecting to be met with the same level of care and attention that they have a genius for giving other people, 
most of the time that person is not going to be satisfied because they are better at it than most people. So the antidote for this is to focus on nurturing and loving the self. Where cancer gets really unbalanced is when it is trying to focus all of this capacity for nurturing and love and attention on other people instead of on the self. Um, That can lead to these sort of wild, emotional, manipulative, intense, controlling kinds of manifestations of cancer. If cancer doesn't understand that the first place it needs to focus its nurturing love and attention is inward. It's not that they're not allowed to love on other people. They can do that, but they have to to love inward first. Otherwise, it's going to get all messed up. And they're going to feel constantly disappointed by other people. And then the final incarnation of cancer is kind of your super cancer. This is somebody who does know how to focus that nurturing, loving attention inward consistently. Maybe they don't they don't do it perfectly, but they do it well. And that will lead to this type of cancer who is incredibly powerful, almost like uh I don't know. I find a a cancer pretty intimidating, really in all of their incarnations, but especially this type of person who has the energy really balanced, they are incredibly uh influential because they understand people at a deep level and because that good love that they have is something that everybody really wants and they're just impressive human beings. I want to touch briefly on men and masculinity in cancer, like how um, masculine people can experience this sign. It can be really challenging for a man to work with a part of himself, a strong part of himself, where the primary drive is to nurture and that is intuitive and emotional and receptive. These are qualities our culture doesn't really encourage men to embrace in themselves. And so Sometimes you find masculine people who are really connected to this part of themselves and they're very, very cool. I, I love like a dude who understands his re- receptivity and his intuition. It's a very powerful thing. But it can really take men years to grow into understanding this part of themselves and some of them never do and that can lead to a lot of passive aggression and uh, manipulativeness in in people. Obviously, you can find passive aggressive and manipulative people in every sign, and you can find passive aggressive and manipulative cancer women too. But I just think there is a particular challenge for men in dealing with this incredibly intuitive, incredibly receptive uh, aspect of self if it's prominent in their charts. So with that, let's talk about how the sign of cancer impacts our own lives using our birth charts as a guide. If you'd like a worksheet to help you work through this part of the podcast as we go through it, you can go to my website. It's 8th.house. That's numeral 8th.house. And the worksheet is available for download there. And as a reminder, if you know your rising sign, I would recommend that you listen for that. If you don't know your rising sign, you can listen for your sun sign or any sign you'd like to listen to. Okay, let's start with cancer and cancer rising. If you're a cancer or cancer rising, you find the traits of cancer, its nurturing capacity, its sensitivity, its intuition, all of that in your identity in your sense of self, also in the way people perceive you and the way you come into situations. So as we discussed earlier in the episode, there are different ways this can come across. It can come across as 
sort of hard outer shell, stay away from my soft insides type of crappy cancer, it can come across a little more open and lovey and motherly. It's not Pisces. I remember when I was earlier in my astrological career, I get I would get confused between Pisces and Cancer. And like the difference is that Pisces is so gentle and open and it has no like protective shell and Cancer has a really strong protective shell. So there's a strength and a kind of I said it before, a kind of intimidating quality to this sign, a a mama bear quality that is not present in sensitive, weepy Pisces. It's it's a much more um, don't mess with me energy, but it is still motivated by loving and nurturing others. So that being said, I want to think of cancer as a creative capacity, but as the type of creativity where you know how to nurture and raise something up well, where you know the way your decisions about how you're going to take care of something affect what it ultimately becomes. So for example, a cancer might be a therapist and they're focused on continually helping someone to grow into a stronger version of themselves. A cancer might get very focused on a creative project and the mode of creativity is I know what I have to consistently put into this. I know how I need to nurture this so that it can grow into fruition. We see creativity in a lot of different signs. Cancer creativity is this elemental, like, I put in the correct ingredients so that it grows well. And obviously, often is very focused on literally nurturing other people. I I truly do know, like, an alarming number of cancer therapists, <laughs> but um, not always. Sometimes it's projects. Sometimes it's a little more uh, interior, depending on the person. In the last several years, as we've had the Cancer Capricorn eclipse cycle going on, you've been experiencing a revolution in your identity and in your partnerships. So you've been being pulled toward your identification with a loving and nurturing self, and you've been letting go of what hasn't been working in the way you relate to to the people you're closest to, your intimate relationships. If you're a Gemini or a Gemini rising, cancer characterizes your second house of self-worth and value. I think about the meaning of having a cancer second house in two ways. One is that the Gemini really does want to nurture and care for other people and experiences the sense of self-worth in how they're able to be caring which can be challenging for Gemini. It's a connective sign, but it's not a very emotional one. Um, And then the other way I think about this is the cancer creativity emerges in the sense of self-worth. In other words, the way that we are able to nurture something into fruition comes up for Gemini in the way they experience their worth and value in the world. I'm realizing that doesn't sound super clear as I say it, even though it feels clear in my head. So it might be a little easier to talk about this with money. So Gemini, the second house represents money as well as just self-worth and sense of value. The literal representation of that often for us is money. And so you can kind of see this way that Gemini is able to cultivate cash by putting in what they need to put in over time and consistently caring for that part of their life. Now, if you make the money just representational of the sense of value and self-worth, there's a kind of nurturing of one's value and self-worth that happens over time for Gemini and an ability to apply that capacity to their sense of self-worth, that cancer genius can go into the Gemini's sense of self-worth. I hope that wasn't too confusing. 
So in the last several years, Geminis have been experiencing the Cancer Capricorn eclipses in that house of self-worth and value, and also in the eighth house, which is their Capricorn, the ability to change. And so Gemini's really been letting go of some things that don't work about the way they've been approaching healing or uh, letting go of old versions of themselves. And then they've been stretching towards, they've been growing into this more defined sense of self-worth and value in the world. And they may even have started making money uh, during this period of time. If you're a Taurus or a Taurus rising, Cancer characterizes your third house. This is the house of day-to-day communication, day-to-day travel, the little rabbit trails that you follow as you go throughout your everyday life. The third house also tells us about our relationships with siblings, our sibling-like relationships, and relationships with extended family, um, aunts, uncles, cousins kind of stuff. So having cancer characterize your third house means that you might have a very nurturing relationship with those people, right? The people you talk to every day and or your sibling relationships and your extended family relationships. You might find yourself almost playing the role of a cancer in these interactions. If we have friends who mimic our sibling relationships, we might find that they show up in this house as well. And in general, we're talking about a an orientation towards daily communication and sibling stuff that is a nurturing and caring and motherly orientation. Honestly, I guess what I'm trying to say is that a Taurus rising is likely to have people that they take care of kind of showing up in these sibling extended family relationships. So in the last Several years as we had the Cancer Capricorn eclipses, Cancer Capricorn eclipses, (laughs) Uh, Tauruses have been experiencing big shifts in these daily communications and their sibling extended family relationships, and also in their sense of higher learning and spirituality and adventure and travel. They've been letting go of what's not working for them in the way they have approached spirituality and adventure. And they've been really growing and finding sustenance in their daily communication and their bonds with people um, that have this family or family-like energy. So maybe a right-sizing of where nurturing energy is going focusing it a little more inward instead of outward, and then finding that as you bring that nurture and love to yourself, a lot of that spiritual, high high spiritual knowledge you want is coming through as a result of directing a lot of self-care towards yourself. If you're an Aries or Aries rising, Cancer characterizes your fourth house of home, family, origins, and roots. This means, again, sort of uh, intuitively or obviously, that the caring, nurturing instinct shows up at home for an Aries, and also that they might have a distinct sense of caring and nurturing directed towards their home and family. It also means that the Aries rising, the way that they formed in this world was through this cancer energy of mothering and nurturing. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. It's going to sound a little uh, interesting. But basically, you know, like we talked about before, of course, cancer is mothering. It's the way we are nurtured. But that can be... A very like warm, positive thing where our caretakers were very conscious of what we needed and knew how to give that to us, 
or it can be an overly emotional sort of controlling environment in the home when we were developing as small children. Um, In any case, the relationship to home and origins is one that has a strong mother overtone to it. So in the last couple of years, as the North Node has been in Cancer and the South Node has been in Capricorn, Aries has had a real time of it. All the cardinal signs have been feeling these shifts the most intensely. And Aries has been experiencing a real shift in its relationship to home and to its origins, to its roots. So many Aries people at this point in the eclipse cycle have found that their relationship to their family has shifted in a way that is encouraging the Aries to focus on what they need themselves, what that Aries individual needs, and to take care of themselves well. And also in the last couple years, Aries have been letting go of ideas of what their career is supposed to look like and how they're supposed to show up in the world and how they're supposed to use discipline and structure. And so a lot of Aries people are at a point right now where they're turning inward to care for themselves. They're relating to their families differently. They're maybe seeing their upbringing differently than they saw it before this eclipse cycle. And they also have released some of the ideas of uh, how they are supposed to be working and taking care of themselves uh, that are found in Capricorn. It's been a really big time for Aries. Just, just to be clear, this has been a quite a ride for Aries people. If you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising, Cancer characterizes your fifth house of creativity, sexuality, and fun, and children. So one of the things I love about the rhythm of whole sign houses is that you can see how elements characterize different parts of life. So if you have a sign in your rising sign, so if you are a Pisces rising, then your fifth house will also be a water sign and your ninth house will always be a, also be a water sign. So water signs experience their creativity and their spirituality in a water way, whereas earth signs experience their creativity and their spirituality in an earth way and so on and so forth. It's a cool thing that I like. (laughs) So Pisces experiences their creativity in this cancer mode of nurturing and caring for. Now, again, this can be literal, right? You might experience your creativity and your sense of fun in caring for other people, as a Pisces, and and seeing people be nurtured. But it also can show a Pisces creativity where the Pisces just understands that to share themselves with the world, they're going to need to care for their projects and nurture their projects and have that cancer genius of knowing how to take care of something in order to allow it to grow up strong. This is a very nice thing for Pisces parents sometimes to have this cancer fifth house because they relate to their children um, from this nurturing place. So in the last several years, Pisces have been experiencing shifts in their creativity and also in their social circles. So Pisces have been letting go of some ideas and patterns and habits in the way that they relate to a community or the types of communities that they are a part of. And they have been moving towards their own creativity and their own expression and really learning how to honor what they need in that part of their life. If you are an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising, Cancer characterizes your sixth house. This is the house of our daily habits, uh, the stuff that we do every single day that adds up to our health over time. That stuff like exercising, what we eat, 
any substances we might engage in, all that kind of stuff. It adds up to a health outcome. It's also the house of where we are in service to something else. So this can represent uh, our employment and our day-to-day work environment. It can also represent um, things that are a little more esoteric than that. So like there's certain ways, if you have sixth house placements in particular, that you might show up in service more often than just in your employment relationship in different kinds of contexts and scenarios. So cancer characterizing the Aquarius sixth house. One of the things that comes up here is that cancer emotion showing up in the work life or in the ways that Aquarius is of service. Aquarius is, of course, an air sign, and it can be a little emotionally removed, but it's in the sixth house where we see that the Aquarius is actually kind of emotional and definitely emotionally attached to the ways that it is of service to the world. Additionally, there can be some real watery emotion for Aquarius in how they form form habits and what's happening every day. They can be pretty loose about those things. Um, and sometimes that is challenging. Sometimes it's, it's, I don't know, it upsets them. It's emotional. It can be difficult. Because the sixth house is a cadent house, it's one of the more hidden houses, um, Aquarius might not show up as visibly Cancerian as some of the other signs, like a Pisces has a fifth house Cancer and a Aries has a fourth house Cancer. Those are a little more visible Cancer qualities, whereas in Aquarius, the Cancer qualities are almost entirely hidden. And yet you see this desire to nurture coming up in where the Aquarius is of service. So in the last several years, as we've had Cancer Capricorn eclipses, Aquarius has been experiencing major shifts in their day-to-day habits and in their day-to-day work life. And they also have been experiencing shifts in their unconscious and their connection to the karmic past, which is much harder to articulate. So there's been a feeling, there should have been a feeling for Aquarius in the last several years of releasing something. I've said this, I said this in the last episode about a 12th house south node, releasing something like a drain, like it's just draining out and you don't necessarily know what it is that's leaving, but something is leaving. Something is getting cleaned out in the underlying code of who you are. And that's been happening for the last several years. And then you've been stretching towards this capacity to take care of yourself in your daily habits and in your work life. And for a lot of Aquariuses, this has led to just a big relief in a shift to the way that they approach work and being of service. There's some real insight in how to take care of themselves that has come out of uh, this eclipse cycle. If you're a Capricorn or a Capricorn rising, Cancer characterizes your seventh house of intimate relationships and partnerships, people you have close one-to-one relationships with. So this means for the Capricorn that the way that they identify is concentrated in this ability to take care of themselves, this like get it done capable kind of energy. And the qualities that are seen in close relationship that are looked for in the other are nurturing and caring and emoting types of qualities. But we can remember when we're talking about our seventh house that the first and the seventh house are sister signs. So they represent just polarities or opposites of the same concept. And the concept that you own, if you're Capricorn rising or a Cancer rising, is taking care and being able to cultivate things 
into healthy fruition. And so if you're a Capricorn rising, you're identifying a little bit more with the practical side of that. If you are a Cancer rising, you're identifying a little bit more with the emotional side of that. But in either case, you contain both ends of it. When we look for these qualities in our partners, it's really just because we're looking to incorporate qualities that we may not have fully understood in ourselves. So in the last several years, as we've had the Cancer Capricorn eclipse cycle, obviously Cancer and Capricorn risings have been experiencing that pretty intensely. For Capricorn, Capricorn has been releasing things about the identity and the sense of self that no longer work, that were too rigid to function, or, you know, anything. They didn't work for some reason. Something about the sense of self has been let go of. And then Capricorns have been moving towards this ability to relate to others in a more nurturing and supportive way. And just like the rest of the world, that probably has something to do for the Capricorn with looking inward to what they need and how they need to nurture themselves and starting from that point before they try to nurture and care for another person. For Capricorn, that capacity has actually allowed them to show up to their close relationships as a more nurturing person than they were able to show up before they started thinking about how to care for themselves better. If you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Cancer characterizes your eighth house. This is the house of healing or the house of birth, death, and transformation. I say healing to kind of shorthand birth, death, and transformation. This part of life is where we die to our old selves and we are reborn as new selves. It's the part of life where we experience pain and suffering um, as the ground for a birth into a new self. So as I say that, I think about the Egyptian origin story of the world at the beginning of the podcast, how there is this Egyptian idea that life begins at the destruction of old life. And maybe I think that this is part of what makes Sagittarius um, uniquely spiritual in the way that it is, that they're experiencing this destruction and creation of themselves in this cancer energy that is about that exact thing (laughs) in some sense. I mean, of course, it also is about nurturing and it's about caring. And I can kind of see how Sagittarius might experience their own healing through that lens of of being able to care for themselves well during the rough spots. But I also think that there's something just a little bit mystical about a Cancer 8th house. It is uh it's the place where everything gets flooded so that something new can sprout up and that's the way Sagittarius experiences their own death and rebirth cycles as they go through life. In the last several years, Sagittarius has been experiencing a real shift in that part of themselves, the way that they heal, the way that they are reborn into new versions of themselves, and also in their sense of self-worth and value. They've been letting go of rigid ideas of how they're supposed to value themselves and how they're supposed to show up in the world. Maybe they thought they were supposed to make money in a specific way that doesn't fit or that they were supposed to take care of themselves just in a way that doesn't fit who they are. And they've been letting go of that. And then they've been stretching towards this cancer eighth house, this ability to look inward and care for themselves in the roughest spots and the most difficult times. 
If you're a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, Cancer characterizes your ninth house of higher knowledge, spiritual growth, spirituality, and adventure and growth in general. Um, I think for people who are really tuned in, the ninth house ends up becoming a lot about spirituality, but for some other people, it can literally be like education and it can be uh, traveling to new places and stuff. Any kind of growth shows up in the ninth house. I lean a little towards interpreting that all as like achieving a higher spiritual truth. So for Scorpio, that is characterized by Cancer. So again, this is a water sign experiencing a part of their life in another water sign. So it's Scorpio experiencing their spiritual growth and their growth in general as a human being from the perspective of Cancer. So on a very simple level, growth for a Scorpio often is about caring for others. It's about finding these places where they love and nurture and are supportive, and especially about being able to direct that energy inward and to love and care and support and nurture the self. When Scorpio can do that, Scorpio is going to be growing and expanding because uh, that harshness of Scorpio is really relieved when that loving care and attention is applied and that allows this expansive growth to happen. I'm also coming back to this metaphor of the fields flooding and new life being indicated by destruction. And I think when we think of cancer in that way, Again, we can really see how growth and higher knowledge for Scorpio occurs in that mode of things flooding and new growth coming in from the ends of old things. In the last several years, as the nodes have been in Cancer and Capricorn, Scorpio has been experiencing some real shifts in the way that they approach their spirituality and also in their day-to-day communications and their sibling relationships. So for Scorpio, they've been really releasing something about the way that they handle their daily communication and those family relationships like siblings, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, in addition to the friend relationships that mimic sibling relationships. Something about that wasn't working. Perhaps there was a rigid approach to it that the Scorpio had, and they've had to release things uh, in that part of their lives. Whereas they've been stretching towards this growth and expansion uh, that is found in the sign of cancer for them. If you're a Libra or Libra rising, cancer characterizes your 10th house of career and reputation generally how you are received in the world and what the fruits of your life are. One day I'm going to figure out how to describe the 10th house with that fruit metaphor and it's going to make sense. Anyway, <laughs> it's career is too simple. It's not just what you do for a living. And then reputation is like a little misleading. It's, it's, yeah, it's how your life fruits into the world, what you end up sharing with the world. That's what the 10th house is. Anyway, that's too much. So Libra, 10th house, Cancer. What does this mean? It means that the way the Libra is received in the world, what they put out into the world tends to be this nurturing and supporting and loving character, it tends to have that character to it. It might be that the Libra rising is focused on caring for others as in like the therapist type of role, the the one-to-one care kind of role. It might literally be that the Libra rising is a strong parent and it is focused on parenting as, uh, as what they produce and give to the world. But in any case, cancer characterizes the way that the Libra rising is received by others. This ability to be To be warm and nurturing and supportive is part of how the Libra is received. 
in the last several years, as we've had eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn, Libra has been experiencing significant shifts in their career, in what they're known for, as well as in their sense of home and family. The Libra has been letting go of some things that didn't work about the way that they related to where they came from, and even sometimes literally about the home that they live in now. And they've been stretching themselves toward thinking about their career differently and learning to look at what they personally need, how they need to take care of themselves. And that inward look at how they need to take care of themselves is manifesting in a shift in what they are known for and their career. This has been quite a ride for the Libras as well, this eclipse cycle. If you're a Virgo or Virgo rising, Cancer characterizes your 11th house, your house of your social circle and your community. This can mean that you might find Cancer people or people with Cancerian qualities in your social circle, and it also can mean that you show up to your social circle from this kind of mothering and nurturing energy, from that position. With the eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn over the last several years, Virgos and Virgo risings have been experiencing shifts in the way they relate to a community. This might mean that the community has shifted, that the friend circle has changed, or it might mean that, hmm, well, I guess it means that no matter what, but it could mean that the Virgo has changed social circles, or it could mean that the character of the social circle that the Virgo is a part of changed and they stayed part of the same social circle, if that makes sense. But regardless, some kind of focus inward on what is needed to nurture the self has changed the way the Virgo shows up to community and to a social circle. And there have been big shifts in that for the Virgo in the last couple of years. The Virgo has been letting go, the Virgo, that's a weird way to say it, you, Virgo, have been letting go of some rigid ideas about creativity. I keep saying ideas, but it can be habits also. Just things that weren't working in your self-expression and the way that you thought you were supposed to create things, you've been letting go of that. That's been where the release point has been happening uh, in this eclipse cycle. And finally, if you are a Leo or a Leo rising, Cancer characterizes your 12th house of the unseen, the karmic past, and the connection to the collective unconscious. The 12th house is where our code is written. So everything that shows up in us when we get to the first house is kind of underlaid by what happens in the 12th house. But just like the code that is on our computer, we're not necessarily seeing how that all works. So the signs that show up in our 12th house can be the signs that are the most mysterious to us and sometimes also the most challenging for us because we struggle so much to understand what those signs meaning is in our lives. For Leo and Leo rising, having cancer characterize the 12th house means that that part of the Leo that wants to nurture and care and support is a little difficult to understand, hard for the Leo to access directly. They have to kind of uh, scoot around it. It's like it's happening in the Leo's unconscious and it's powerful, but it's not clearly accessible. In the last several years, as we've had eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn, Leo has been experiencing major unconscious shifts in this place and also has been experiencing big shifts in their day-to-day habits and their work environment. So in that part of the life, the day-to-day habits, the work environment, there's been a release of things that were not working, were not functioning. Uh, The Leo has let go of either habits or an approach to habit that has been dysfunctional. 
And then that has, in some sense, resulted in this growth and this capacity to care for the self and others that for the Leo is there, but is hard to articulate or grasp. It's happened, but it's been a little uh, strange the way it's happened for Leo. All right, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast and you would like to tell a friend about it, please do that. I would love to get a few more people listening to the podcast. You can find show notes on my website at 8th.house, numeral 8th.house. Those include timestamps. You can skip straight to the sign readings, just so you know that in the future. (laughs) And I hope you have a really wonderful week and that you are taking very good care of yourself as we have learned to do as we are learning to do. All right. I'll talk to you soon.